0: The Dorian Principle A Biblical Response to the Commercialization of Christianity by Connolly Owens. Chapter 13 The Issue of Copyright Protection versus Freedom. In the mid sixth century, an Irish monk named Finian travelled home from Rome. Excitement gripped him, for he had come in possession of a great treasure a Bible. While he certainly had access to some scripture in his hometown, this Bible represented a purer and more complete copy than anything he owned, and all in a single volume. Nearby monks heard of Finian's new prize, and many came from significant distances to see it. It more than pleased Finian to show it off, yet all the same, he was rather possessive of his book. Among those who visited was a monk named Columkill, a charismatic young redhead. He was equally excited by the Bible, so much, in fact, that he sneaked into the church where it was kept in order to spend the night copying it. He administered a scriptorium nearby and anticipated the opportunity to reproduce and disseminate the scriptures on a grander scale. When finnian discovered the act taking place, he became furious. Soon afterward, he pursued litigation. Both men requested an audience before the High King Dermond for arbitration, each one confident that justice would rule in his favor. Finian argued that because the book was his, the copy was his as well. Columcille responded, offering his defense. My friend's claim seeks to apply a worn-out law to a new reality. Books are different to other chattels' possessions, and the law should recognize this. Learned men like us... have received the new heritage of knowledge through books, have an obligation to spread that knowledge by copying and distributing those books far and wide. I haven't used up Finian's book by copying it. He still has the original, and that original is none the worse for my having copied it. Nor has it decreased in value because I made a transcript of it. The knowledge in books should be available to anyone who wants to read them, and has the skills or is worthy to do so and it is wrong to hide such knowledge away, or to attempt to extinguish the divine things that the books contain. To Columacol's shock, the king ruled in Finian's favor. Many speculations surround this event. Perhaps it represented an unbiased attempt at justice, or perhaps the court counselor, a druid, sought to hinder the advancement of Christianity. Regardless, the details of the story certainly make for interesting considerations. In our day, access to efficient copying is vastly more widespread than it was in colonicles. Through the digitization of information, even a child can reproduce a book in near infinitesimal time at near-infinite quantities. Through the internet, that same work may be disseminated to nearly every person on the planet. If the fiery monk worried that outdated laws would hinder the advancement of the gospel in a new era... How much more should we revisit those same concerns? Defined broadly, copyright is any legal mechanism that regulates the reproduction and use of creative works. While copyright offers legal protections to authors, it simultaneously restricts the freedoms of those who consume creative works. In this chapter, I would like to comment on how the Dorian Principle should shape our view of its use in ministry and then provide some alternatives for modern ministry workers. Copyright and Obligation The conclusions in the previous chapters of this book should lead us to question the Church's use of copyright protection mechanisms in the context of gospel ministry. If a minister is to give freely, has he really done so if he retains exclusive rights to the content of his proclamation? In my estimation, the answer is a resounding no Even though maintaining full copyright protection does not necessitate an exchange of money, it does impose a burden on the recipient of ministry. Apart from express permission, he may not copy, modify, or redistribute that work, the information he has received. Note that this imposes a requirement, requirement being the innermost circle of the forms of acceptance that violate the Dorian principle. As such, It is the most serious form of violation. Moreover, typically money is involved in the exchange. Ministers refuse ministry in in the form of books, recorded lectures, etc., apart from a payment collected from the recipient. Additionally, the involuntary nature of copyright precludes co-labor. One who complies with legal restrictions does not offer a free will sacrifice to the Lord, but only a concession to the one protected by the law. One who gives money to receive access to gospel-related material does so only as an exchange, compensating another to settle a debt owed to him. Copyright and Sincerity Stepping back and examining things through the lens of sincerity, we must question the earnestness of one who asserts all copyrights over the content of their ministry. If they impose restrictions or require payment, can they truly say that they operate as a servant of Christ? Cf. 1 Corinthians 9:16. If they impose restrictions or require payment, can they truly say that they are a servant to all so that more might be won? Cf. 1 Corinthians 9:19. 9. To be clear, I think highly of fellow pastors who have writing ministries, many of whom engage in the kind of exchanges forbidden by the Dorian principle. Most have never directly faced these issues and therefore have made their decisions in ignorance. In a sense, I hold nothing against them because I likely would have taken the same steps had I never been led to especially ruminate on the passages we've examined. However, all this being said, I cannot ignore the logical conclusion of what the Bible says about sincere ministry. From a human perspective, the error is understandable. From a divine perspective, These models of ministry culpably transgress Christ's plan for the advancement of the gospel. While the day-to-day activities of the local church largely remain within the boundary set by the Dorian principle, the advent of the Christian publishing industry has introduced breaches of sweeping proportions. Believers who want to deepen their knowledge of the faith frequently find themselves required to give to an author or publisher, i.e. the copyright holder before receiving the benefit of some ministry. The issue goes much further than books, encompassing Bible study software, performance rites for worship songs, etc. Of course, it has not always been this way. While the Dorian principle has always been in danger of being violated, for the majority of the life of the church, there were relatively few opportunities for temptation or confusion to arise. However, The advancement of publication technology, especially as it has culminated in digital media, has presented the Church with a test of faithfulness. Unprepared for the challenge set before her, the Church has blindly followed the model of the world in its publication practices, distributing materials for a fee. Additionally, as the cost of reproduction and distribution wanes, being virtually negligible for digital content in the present era, the severity of transgression waxes stronger. Prior to the 20th century, to purchase a book was to purchase a bound edition of printed pages. One was not paying for the content so much as they were paying for the tangible product as a whole, a matter of limited ethical concern. Today, a physical book and its content are more easily distinguished as paper and data. While people still purchase paper books, the sale of ebooks indicates the publisher's intent to charge not only for the physical good, but for the content. A completed work may be disseminated online to millions at no cost to the producer, yet ministering entities often default to charging for the service. Not only does the use of copyright protection have potential to violate the Dorian principle, in most instances, it constitutes the most direct violation conceivable. Regardless of the intent of those behind such ministries, to require payment in exchange for religious education is to engage in the practices condemned by both Scripture and the early church. Alternative Licensing Simply stated, the antithesis of using the power of governing authorities to enforce copyright is not using the power of governing authorities to enforce copyright. However, under United States law, A creative work is protected by copyright as soon as it is fixed in a tangible medium. A minister who has no intention of taking advantage of these protections must go out of his way to explicitly waive his rights if he wishes to assure others they are free to use the creative products of his ministry however they wish. To that end, institutions have fashioned a variety of licenses. The earliest of these licenses were largely designed to accommodate collaborative software projects. But most recently, initiatives have addressed the needs of non-software, i.e. non-functional, projects. The most popular of these, Creative Commons, is not a single license, but a suite of licenses designed to give copyright holders the ability to mix and match specific rights they would like to reserve or waive. Each Creative Commons license ensures that a work may be distributed in its original form, but additional restrictions may apply. As an exercise, I'd like us to look at these restrictions and evaluate their implications for Dorian Ministry. Adaptation The first option available for a Creative Commons license is the No Derivative Works feature. One who applies this to their creative work restricts others from making adaptations of that work. For a book, this would prohibit translations and audio adaptations. For a song, this would prohibit musical rearrangements and public performances. Anyone wishing to make such adaptations would be required to obtain express permission from the copyright holder. Such restrictions do not accord with the Dorian Principle. The recipient of ministry should not be bound to comply with the wishes of the minister. It is not sufficient to talk merely in terms of financial burden. All forms of burden, i.e. direct horizontal obligation to the minister, fall in the same category. These stipulations do far more to hinder the gospel than advance it. One may object that allowing adaptations opens a work to distortion and perversion. True, but at a fundamental level, all good things may be corrupted. Further, the history of Christian resources testifies that works available for adaptation encourage more good than they do harm. For example, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, produced a modified version of the King James Bible in order to promote his aberrant beliefs. Yet few would argue that the harm caused by this document outweighs the proliferation of the Bible in audiobooks, tracts, study Bibles, and dramatic readings, all made possible through the availability of the King James Version. Most importantly, such pragmatic objections cannot dominate the principled concern of Dorian ministry. Commercial Use Creative Commons additionally provides a non-commercial feature, which prohibits use of the creative work for commercial purposes. For example, this would keep one from directly selling the licensed material, or incorporating it into a derivative work that is then sold. From a secular perspective, this feature has received substantial pushback due to the inherent ambiguity in the concept of commercial purposes. The text of the licenses using this feature speaks specifically of uses that are primarily intended for or directed toward commercial advantage or private monetary compensation. Even if it is not sold in the traditional fashion, An entity that uses a work licensed for non-commercial use in a way that supports a commercial endeavor potentially violates the terms of the license. Regardless, the guidelines we have already set give us a clear path forward. Restricting uses of a product of ministry, even commercial uses, does not accord with the Dorian Principle. Attribution The most commonly used option of a Creative Commons license is the attribution feature, This requires that anyone distributing the original licensed work or a derivative credit the copyright holder. For example, a Bible translation licensed with this feature would require that any tract quoting it credit the copyright holder of the translation. In several ways, this seems more reasonable than the previous restrictions we have covered. Unlike those, the requirement of attribution does not imply a friction between the consumer and the copyright holder for typical adaptive uses. For the other restrictions, typical uses require explicit authorization from the copyright holder in order to proceed. Attribution, on the other hand, may be provided by anyone downstream apart from any interaction with the copyright holder. However, from the perspective of Dorian ministry, there is no reason to classify this condition as fundamentally different. Even if no money changes hands... It imposes a direct obligation on the recipient of ministry to the minister. It should therefore be rejected in the context of gospel ministry. Naturally, the primary concerns over waiving the right to attribution center around plagiarism and misattribution. Unfortunately, the complexity of the current situation makes it difficult to provide a simple response. Copyright law is designed to address matters related to the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal yet it has been co-opted to address matters related to the Ninth Commandment, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Measures to inhibit plagiarism should certainly be welcome, but it is not clear that copyright enforcement was ever the right solution. Defamation laws may offer some alternative protection, and perhaps the technology of the future will provide more immediate detection of such misappropriation. Regardless, in the course of ministry, A Christian's first priority should be the honor of Christ rather than security of credit. License Propagation A frequent feature of alternative licenses requires all derivative works, provided they are disseminated, to be made available under the terms of the same license. This is known as copyleft and guarantees that a creative work is not used and repackaged under more restrictive terms. To this end, Creative Commons provides a share alike feature. This particular feature does not require explicit permission from the copyright holder for typical adaptive uses. Furthermore, it seems to have the added benefit of encouraging others who might use ministry materials in a similar context to embrace the same licensing scheme. Yet once again, We must acknowledge that the share-alike feature is a restriction that goes beyond what is permitted by the Dorian Principle. First, it implicitly requires the attribution restriction since a license has limited significance apart from an express mention of the one issuing it. Second, it requires compliance from any producer of an adaptation. The Public Domain Beyond various licenses, another option exists. A public domain work is a work that is not subject to copyright protection. Placing a work in the public domain is not always straightforward, especially in jurisdictions that acknowledge and do not allow for the waiver of moral rights, which include, among other things, the right to attribution. In order to provide a simple approach to this, Creative Commons offers the Creative Commons Zero public domain dedication. Rather than a license... It is a waiver of rights that provides a license fallback in the event the waiver is deemed insufficient. This dedication states the intent of the author to provide maximal freedom to any consumer of the work. In my estimation, a public domain dedication such as Creative Commons Zero offers the most consistent approach for Dorian ministry. While the Dorian principle does not mandate that a minister explicitly apply such a dedication to his work, it does require the spirit of such a dedication be present in all acts of gospel ministry. Conclusion To restrict others in their use of any product of gospel ministry is to require direct repayment, i.e., reciprocity, and violate the Dorian principle. In not so many words, it says, If I provide this ministry to you, you must do something for me. Furthermore, Employing the power of governing authorities to coerce others to comply with such restrictions adds an objectionable level of hostility to the transgression. In response, ministers and ministries should consider waiving any government-established copyright protections. For most creative works and in most jurisdictions, this may be done effectively through the use of Creative Commons Zero. In the next chapter, I'd like us to consider some practical examples of how modern ministries use copyright and ways to bring these practices in line with the Dorian Principle. End of chapter 13